Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. On the 30th of April 2011, Frankel won the 2000 guineas at Newmarket. In one of the most astonishing races in the history of the turf, Frankel, a son of the legendary sire and derby winner Galileo, scorched the Roly Mile turf to win the famous classic by six lengths. In this podcast, I spoke to Newmarket trainer and racing expert John Berry, a spectator on the day, and jockey Rab Havlin, who provided some expert first-hand insight on the race. Welcome back to the show, John, to talk about Frankel the Wonder Horse. Yeah, the wonder, Frankel the Wonder Horse, I think, is fair to describe him. I don't like him being described as a freak. He wasn't a freak. He was just a very good horse, so it was nothing... He didn't break the laws of nature. He just, the genes combined to produce a horse that was just slightly better than the next best, but a lot better. You know, at the top level of athletics, whether human or equine, the margins are very, very slight. You know, the best athlete is percentage of 1% better in overall performance than the second best. Um, but Frankel was just, you know, if you get the, the hundred meters, so flash across the line if you get in, in humans, if you get one that's consistently can beat the rest by two or three meters, he's outstanding. And Frankel consistently could beat the best of the rest by quite a lot of lengths. And, um, you know, he was just, I, I, I think he was, I'd go along with Henry Cecil, the best horse anyone's ever seen. Well, on this episode, we're going to talk about his incredible astonishing 2000 guineas win but to start with as a new market trainer when did you first become aware of him i think the first time i knowingly saw him i didn't know it was him if that makes sense but i remember the year he was a two-year-old 
we never take our horses up Warren Hill, but I don't know one lot we took two or three horses up Warren Hill, and I don't know why. And Henry, it's coming up just behind us. I think it must have been second off or something. And there's some two-year-olds. And one of they jumped off a fair way behind us. And it's, it's not that it's only a short canter. We were just cantering up. The horse of Henry is at the front, basically just shot off like a, a, a tiger that's not really tame and basically caught us up going up there. I mean, that's that was because he was so free running, probably going faster than the rider wanted. And, you know, he just, you know, we saw this big, strong, powerful horse semi, semi out of control behind us. And I didn't think anything to it. But anyway, later in the year, when I became aware who and what Frankel was and that, you know, he had, he was a sort of semi wild animal that, you know, had to be, had to be tamed. I just realized that must, that must have been. Frankel, I'm pretty sure it was. But I mean, the first time I knowingly sort of came across him um, was his debut. I was just, I don't know why someone had said to me that morning, Henry Cecil's two-year-old who runs at Newmarket today is meant to be very, very, very good. And I was, I had a run out of Campton evening meeting. And so I thought I must make sure I watch this Newmarket race. And it was 10 minutes before our runner at Campton. And it was it had been raining very hard well it rained very hard at Newmarket while the race was on it had been raining very hard at Campton and stopped and I just remember standing in the parade ring at Campton with a big, with a big screen over next overlooking the parade ring standing watching this race and thinking gosh it's still a miserable wet day at Newmarket and this horse just I mean actually you know, it wasn't as spectacular as 2000 guineas win but uh, and at the time we didn't know that the runner up Nathaniel was going to be a multiple group one winner. Um, but he won very well. And I thought, gosh, rumours are true. I'm going to keep an eye out for this horse. So, um, and of course, then he went to Doncaster and Newmarket and then on to greater glories at three and four year old. Well, champion to Newmarket race with the Dewhurst. So it was a great glory already as a two year old. But yeah, I mean, after that, um, I used to see him at exercise quite a lot. And you could all, you could all, you could always pick him. Um, and it was, it was just a pleasure watching him go, watching him go around the heath, and always a, anytime you'd see Henry's horses in the, you know, sort of somewhere around, you'd be saying, where is he? And it was, it brought a smile to your face seeing him every morning. It was, it was, it was wonderful having, you know, the most special horse in the world, trudging around the same part of countryside that you were every morning. And you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we don't go to Warren Hill, which is where he normally did, so we didn't see him. Only saw him on a minority days, but it was always always good to do so. Had you heard anything about Henry Cecil's two-year-old colt before his first run at Newmarket? Yeah, of course. Um, Newmarket is a small bubble, obviously a small racing bubble, and the, the drums were already banging about him. Uh, when he ran at Newmarket on the July course that night, we actually had Nathaniel who finished second, and we fancied him strongly, so he obviously went on to to win, uh, you know, a King George and Eclipse, and then he was narrowly beaten in another King George. So it wasn't bad form for the, for the first for his first outing. What were the thoughts in Newmarket at the end of his two-year-old career? Uh, he was obviously, you know, he was in the right hands with, uh, you know, Sir Henry Cecil, and you know, he was the horse going forward. You know, he'd he'd won the Royal Lodge, he'd won the Dewhurst, 
He looked very exciting, obviously unbeaten. So they're the type of horses you. He looked like a you know a strong individual at two. So the question was how much stronger was he going to get at three? And obviously, you know he did, and uh, he exceeded probably quite a lot of people's expectations. Moving forward, as um, I was champion two-year-old, what was the build-up then like to the two thousand guineas? Was it all about Frankel or all about Henry? Oh, all about know, Chase, all about Frankel, yeah. All about Frankel. Yes, yeah, because well, actually, no, he'd run, he'd run, I said he'd run three at two, he ran four, didn't he? Because he was Newmarket, four, Doncaster, yeah, Don, yeah. then he won a Royal Lodge by a wide margin, and then he won a Dewhurst. Um, Dewhurst was a bit of an anticlimax because uh, Dream Ahead won the Middle Park, like a very, very good horse. And, you know, you, you weren't sure which of them would be the better on Dewhurst Day, and Dream Ahead didn't give his running. He, run well that day dropped out uh so sort of you know frankel won the dewhurst well but you were thinking well his main rival didn't run his race so you weren't certain that you know dewhurst win a champion two-year-old i think probably putting them joint head of the three handicap was fair but come the spring he'd won the greenham very well Greenham head wasn't in the guineas field and you know he was he was the only horse that appeared and appealed in the 2000 guineas field as a horse who might be outstanding. So, you know, the, the race revolved totally around him. And um, I don't go to the, even Newmarket, I very rarely go to the races when I haven't got a runner. Uh, we start evening stables at three o'clock. So, you know, big Newmarket Saturdays in the summer. Um the feature race is always after three. So, I mean, I, I don't have to be here for the start of the evening stables, but I've got quite a lot to do um, at home. Uh, so it's it, it's easier just to do my work here and nip in and out the house to see what races I need to watch. But, I mean, that day I made sure I have the race course to watch the 2000 guineas because you, know, you were thinking this might be a, a very special classic and I want to I want, I want to see him in the parade ring beforehand, get a good look at him see the race, see him afterwards and, you know, let's, we don't know he's going to win, but he appears likely to win and he strong chances he might put in a very special victory. But What was the atmosphere like when you got there as a spectator? Well, it's 2000 Guineas Day. Um, was it different same. because of him though? Was it different because of him being there? No. Um, two. I mean, it, it couldn't. It couldn't be any. It couldn't be any different because two thousand guineas day is two thousand guineas day every year, and it's a very, very special day. And you know, you're seeing the best that they are around. And at that stage of the horse's career, you know, unless they, unless you're a horse like the Tetrarch running that had been an outstanding two year old, um, you haven't got a horse. That, proven to be outstanding. Crankle wasn't proven to be outstanding the same. All he was as a champion two-year-old. Um, and I mean, I'd say to say all he was, but as a champion two-year-old every year. So every year, the likelihood is the previous year's champion two-year-old is going to be running the 2,000 guineas. Um, you know, this year we're going to have Native Trail in there. Native Trail is, never say never, but never, Native Trail is not, not going to be Crankle. Um, you know, you, you only in retrospect realise it's it's as Frankel's career developed that each time he ran, you realised that there was a horse of a lifetime running. Certainly that morning, you didn't know you were going to watch a horse of a 
lifetime. You just knew you were going to watch the 2000 Guineas, which is which is a fabulous race every year. Now, you rode in the 2000 Guineas. Can you remember the build-up to the 2000 Guineas? And what were your hopes on your uh, horse-loving spirit? Yeah, um, like loving spirit. Obviously, Franco was the one to beat. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd came out and he'd won the Greenham well, um, which is a fantastic, uh, always a fantastic trial. Um, and even the mile, you know, he'd won the Royal Lodge the year before, so there was no no stamina uh, doubts there. But, uh, you know, my, my horse, uh, you know, obviously had a way to go for what he'd done, but we were hoping we could run well in the race. Uh, probably didn't think we'd be able to threaten the principles, but we were just hoping for a good run on the day. And then uh, on to the race. Um, what was your first impression then when Tom Queeley and Frankel hit the front sort of immediately? Was there a gasp from the crowd? Yes, there was. I mean, at first of all, you're thinking, well, he's going to get beaten here because you, you know, is it human athletics? If you want to break the world record, you need to go at the perfect pace, which is not too fast, not too slow. To put in your best performance, you need to go at the perfect pace, not too fast, not too slow. If the best horse in the race goes too fast early on and the next best horse is ridden at a more even tempo, the next best horse will usually beat him but then you went on another couple of furlongs and you thought well he's going at a crazy pace but they're just not going to get <laughs> they're not going to get near him even so and yeah I mean it was I don't think I've ever seen film Tudor Minstrel's 2000 Guineas but I've seen photographs of it and it, it was exactly the same um, you know I think that they're, they're the two most spectacular 2000 guineas when they sort of just been miles clear throughout um and you know they were more than 60 years apart um nearly seven about 65 years apart whatever they were yeah i mean it, and it was just by the t- you know by, by the time he was at the bushes and he was so far clear and it was clear that he was going to have broken all the rules and still was going to win by a wide margin anyway you know it's the type of thing you'd be you'd be clapping Two furlongs from home. It was that, it was that type. That type. That type. That type. It, it was. It was. It was. It was exhilarating because you don't normally expect to see. You know, it's, it, you don't normally expect to see horses do that and still be good enough to win a race at the highest level. Were you surprised that Frankel went straight to the front as he had a pacemaker? I was very surprised he went to the front um, because previously they tried to sort of harness. He was a very exuberant horse, and they tried to to sort of drop him in and get him to relax. And I remember um, I remember walking the course with James Toller in the morning and we, you know, come up, come up with a plan of what the way the race would pan out. And I thought Michael Hills, he was drawn high, I think. And uh, we thought he's going to take them up the middle so that Franco could drop in and he'd get a good clean run round or through or, or whatever. But I remember after about three or four furlongs, I, I kind of, lost sight of Michael and looked up and thought, Christ, Michael's got a good old clip here. And then before I realised I could cop Michael at the corner of my eye and realised it was Franklin in front. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a surprise. But obviously they decided to let him use that long stride. They'd obviously worked a horse out by then. And um, obviously it was a masterstroke. Oh, I read that. So you thought it was the, the pacemaker as well that had gone? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought the pacemaker had got, gone off quick and... Uh, but then when I realised it was Franco, uh, 
you know, obviously he'd gone clear by halfway and it was could, could he keep going, but obviously he did. So how soon did you realise that, you know, you couldn't win the race? How many furlongs? Yeah, I reckon it was about two weeks before, I'd say. Um, yeah, no, look, uh, I was kind of struggling at halfway to, to, I wasn't on the bridle anymore and I was kind of trying to sit through a flat spot and hope I, I, I could, uh, you know, run run as well as I could. But uh, by the top of the dip and by the bushes, they realised that Franco wasn't coming back and he, he just kept powering clear. And, you know, I think everybody pricked their ears then and realised that he was something special. Was the 2000 was the 2011 2000 guineas unlike a race you'd you'd ever been in before? Well, it was because of the hype. I mean, before and even more so afterwards. Um, you know, it's probably it was it's probably one of the most played back guineas ever. I would imagine. Um, so there's all always people talk about that, and it was one of the first uh, probably that the kind of first highlights, if you like. Uh, you know, obviously done good things to. But obviously, one of the, you know, the start of that, you know, meteoric rise uh, was that dazzling display in the Guineas. So, yeah, it was a, it was a weird race, but uh, I still like to watch it back now. Well, he won by six lengths, and Tudor Minstrel in nineteen forty-seven won by eight lengths. Uh, how does um, difficult to say, but how does Frankel compare to other two thousand Guineas since since the war? Well, I don't think it. It was anywhere near the best 2000 Guineas performance because the place getters weren't of Group 1 standard. Um, you know, he, Brigadier Jared won by a couple of lengths or whatever, but he had to build, beat Mill Reef and My Swallow um, to do so. The performance itself wasn't special. And I think Tudor Minstrel, I, I don't know what place them, but I'm sure they've been better horses than the place getters in Tranquil 2000 Guineas. It, it was, I mean, it was the same as St. James's Palace Stakes. And I mean, this isn't criticizing Tom Queenley. I'm sure that was the way they, Henry told them to ride the horse. And you could see it at, at Ascot. It was, it was almost as if the instructions were, well, don't let him run. Hold on to him till halfway. And once you go past the four, kick for home, which is, which is what he did, which again was, you know, they realized was much too early. And it was much too early. It was only, and, he, and he was nearly beaten by an inferior horse company that day. It was only once they'd realised the way to do it is to ride in the way Leicester used to ride Majinski, just holding up and mow them down at the end, that he began to put in, on a form point of view, he began to run to his best. Um, so, no, I mean, it wasn't It wasn't a, on a form point of view, it wasn't a special 2000 guineas at all, but it was just to be ridden what the Australians would call upside down and so very upside down and still win anyway. You know, you, you basically were saying, well, you know, riding more conservatively and he's, what, 10 lengths better than that. Did you think he would then become the superstar that he became or potentially could? Well, I mean, I think that's the day he nailed his, his colours to the wall and, and uh, raised the flag. And, you know, f- from then on in, he was, you know, every, the crowds grew to, to go and see him. And, and uh, you know, wherever he, wherever he ran, there'd be... Any jockey not riding in the race would be in the paddock to go and watch him. So um, he, he was special in that way. And, uh, and, and he's, he's, he's not a rider. He just grew and grew and grew. Frankel went on to win all 14 of his, of his races, 10 Group 1s. How important was Sir Henry Cecil in handling, handling the Colt? 
Well, I, th- I think Henry can take great credit in keeping him unbeaten. Um, you know, because he, he, all the way through, you know, the one shame of Franco that they never ran him for a mile and a half. They never ran him in the derby and they never ran him in the arc, which, you know, from a point of, and I, I remember seeing Henry interviewed once and the interviewer said, you know, you haven't really made the most of this horse because every time you've run him, you've run him in the race he's most certain to win. You haven't really been very bold and, you know, you, you haven't, you know, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't even, you haven't, you've got the best mountaineer, but you've never asked him to climb Mount Everest. Uh, I mean, he didn't say it, but that's what it was. You know, he said, you know, if it's a choice between the arc and the champion stakes, you go for the champion stakes, etc. If it's, uh, you know, Eclipse and uh, King George, you go for the Eclipse, um, which, you know, historically, if you wanted a horse to be proven as a great horse, you had to run at a mile and a half. And, you know, Henry looked at the interview and said, but that's a trainer's job is to find these, just <laughs> find these, find the race your horse is most likely to win. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was wonderful. You know, Henry was the greatest trainer of our time. And at the very time, the fact that he had his best horse at the tail end and when he was terminally ill and, you know, he's the fact that he kept the unbeaten record, but oh, it would have been nice to see him run a mile and a half, wouldn't it? I mean, there's two ways, two ways of looking at it. Scepter, the winner of, who ran in all five classics in 1902 and won them all but the Derby, and arguably should have won the Derby, but she was badly ridden in the race. She got beat. She, I mean, she made her three year old debut in the Lincoln, um, resumed the three in the Lincoln, and she, she got beaten quite, beaten quite a few times. She was trained by her owner, Robert Sevier, and who just ran her and ran her. And but she as a, she he had to sell her at the end of the season because he thought he was falling on hard times because of betting. And she went to Alec Taylor as a four-year-old, and at Manton. And Alec Taylor was someone said to him later on. He said, "No, it's such a shame Scepter wasn't with you for her entire career because I think she'd have she'd have been unbeaten if you trained her." And Alec Taylor, and I mean, it's a lovely thing to say. He said that very well may be the case. But if I trained her, she wouldn't have won four classics. And you know, that's it's it's a two it's a two two ways two ways to look at it. It's do you want to if you've got a great horse, do you want to keep them unbeaten? Or if you've got a, if you've got a great horse, do you want to win the greatest races and you know win the, the most great races? And you know that the, the Prince Carl de Dalla and Henry opted to keep him unbeaten, but I think it's a terrible shame he didn't run. I think, I mean, if Vincent O'Brien trained him, he'd have definitely run in the Derby and won it. And I think if Leicester was still riding for Henry, Leicester would have just said, don't be ridiculous. Run him in the Derby. Don't give me any instructions. I'll ride him from the back and he'd have won. And, you know, he wouldn't have won the Derby being ridden away. He was being ridden at the time. Um, and I know he was hot-headed, but so, so was Majinski. And... And I mean, again, if Vincent O'Brien trained him, I'm sure, sure he'd have run in, run in the arc. Uh, but no, I mean, the thing is to say, Henry was the greatest trainer. But if you asked any trainer to give you an honest answer, what's your greatest training piece? They'll reel out a list of horses you've never heard of. Win- winning with the good ones is not the difficult part. It's winning with the less good ones. And if you said, if you said to Henry, what's your greatest training performance? He wouldn't have told you, Frankel. Uh, you know, he'd have just said, well, anyone anyone could have won the Franco because he was the best horse 
there's been. I mean, the key to Crankle was that he was headstrong and he needed a very good rider. And Henry had that with Shane Featherstone Hall. And, you know, previously been the rider of Motivator. And he won for Michael Bell. And he's with Charlie Appleby now and he tends to ride Charlie's best horses who are difficult rides and he's ride frontiers. And I know, I know he's ridden a good horse since then. Um, but basically, any trainer who'd had access to a good rider Franco would have been a champion with because um, you know you couldn't not but it was yeah it's even saying that keeping them unbeaten it's, 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 it's easier said than done and was he the best horse you've ever seen I'd imagine yeah he's you know just that raw power and able to keep going here he's probably the best horse I've ever seen yeah but the best um, horse you've ever just, seen? Was, oh, yeah, I'd go along with Henry when after his last win. And, you know, Henry, his, his life not making extravagant claims about his horses. And on Champion Stakes Day, he did finally say, um, yeah, I, I think he did say, yes, this, this is, someone said it's the best horse he's trained. He said, yes, it is. It is the best horse I've seen. In fact, I think he's probably the best horse anyone's ever seen. And, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely go along with that. Thank you very much for sharing your memories of the 2000 guineas and those uh, interesting thoughts at the end about Frankel and his handling by Henry Cecil and also for the um, input from Rab Havlin who rode in the race on the 30th of April 2011. Thank you very much again for joining me, John. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.